In over 10 years of going to shows, I've met some really interesting people along the way. Folkies, metalheads, old school punks, sweetheart singer-songwriters, and everyone in between. I figured now was as good a time as ever for me to share their stories. Conversations about music where no genre and no topic is off limits. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. everyone, David James Young here. Welcome back to All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, so last week's episode went completely gangbusters. I want to thank uh, Will and uh, the Smith Street Band for uh, posting that up around the place and uh, yeah, getting a lot of attention to this podcast. We ended up in the new and noteworthy section of iTunes. That is ridiculous. I'm not supposed to be in that section. I'm not new nor noteworthy. This is uh, this is weird and foreign to me, but uh, I appreciate it all the same. So uh, thanks for tuning in and thanks for checking out the podcast this week. Let's uh, get to the plugs before anything else. Uh, if you are listening to this, the day it comes out on Thursday, March 12th. Tonight is very special. You have got... DZ Death Rays, Bass Drum of Death, and Hockey Dad all playing for the second and final night at Newtown Social Club in Sydney. And if you don't have a ticket, suck shit, because that thing is sold out. Uh, But there is one more chance to catch all three of those bands, and I'll tell you in just a sec. Before we get to that, of course, let's go to Friday night. Once again at Newtown Social Club, Luca Brasi are going to be launching their new 7-inch, which is called Loose Threads, and they are going to be joined by Narwhals out of the UK, Hellions, Perspectives, and Tired Lion. That is a beefy, beefy lineup, and it is going to be heaps and heaps of fun. Really, really stoked about that show, so uh, make sure you get along to that if you can. Uh, also in Newtown that night are Corpus who are good friends of mine, and they are going to be playing a midnight set at Tokyo Sing Song uh, downstairs at the Marley Bar in Newtown. What could possibly go wrong? I guess we'll have to find out. And uh, across town at the factory floor, Bear Grylls out of Newcastle, they are going to be playing with Carbon Carb from New Zealand, as well as Whitney Houston's Crypt, and as I've mentioned, future guests, Hannah Band. So uh, that is a really, really tight lineup, and if I wasn't already preoccupied, I would definitely be checking that show out. Saturday in Wollongong, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Farmer and the Owl returns once again for an absolutely massive all-day festival. What a ridiculous lineup we have got on our hands, my friends. We've got Jebediah, we've got DZ Death Rays, we've got The Mess Hall, we've got Bad Dreams... We've got Hockey Dad, we've got High Test, Totally Unicorn, The Walking Who, Step Panther, Shining Bird, The Pinheads, PH Fat, Drunk Mums, and so, so many more where that came from. It is going to be absolutely fantastic and such an important event for the Wollongong area. That's at Wollongong Uni Bar and Surrounds. This Saturday, kickoff about 1 o'clock, so uh, 
yeah, please, if you are in the area, I implore you to head down and make sure that this thing is an absolute success. If you're in Sydney, alternatively, I would strongly recommend getting along to Blackwire Records for one of the heaviest, loudest, and craziest shows of the year. Idols from Brisbane are going to be headlining with support from Making, as well as Burlap and Canine. It is a ridiculous lineup, and those are four of the best bands of that genre in the country. You couldn't really ask for much more. I'm very, very distraught to be missing it, but uh, thankfully, Idols are going to be playing a show on Sunday afternoon as well. That was originally going to be at the Pirate House, but the venue is TBA at the moment, so uh, please hang tight on Facebook, and there will be further announcements from the One Brick Today page. Please go and like One Brick Today regardless. They are a fantastic group of people putting on really, really awesome events. The show on Sunday is going to feature Tanned Christ, as well as Thorax and Extreme Misanthropy Crew, which is a really, really tight lineup as well. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Also, that night, uh, the Hard-Ons, everyone's mates, the Hard-Ons, are going to be playing at Frankie's Pizza, and that is going to be supported by High Test, who we've just mentioned, and today's guests, Bare Bones. It all ties back in, people. We've come full circle. That's right. Today's guest is Mr. Tom Kennedy. You may know him as the lead vocalist of Bare Bones. You may know him from his previous role as guitarist in The Sunny Side Up. You might know him just as that guy. You, you'll see him around at a lot of shows. He's a very, very supportive dude and one of the best dudes in punk and hardcore in Australia that you could ask to come across. An absolute gentleman. And uh, a guy I'm really, really stoked to call a friend. He just played with Bare Bones at the second day of Soundwave uh, in Sydney uh, as a part of the Triple J Unearthed competition. And I can safely say that they absolutely crushed it and I'm very, very happy that they did. Uh, Such a great live band that have just really picked it up over the past six months or so and been playing some absolutely... Huge, huge shows, and we'll get into that. We'll get into the history of of this young man and uh, what's brought him to where we are today. Lot to talk about, and uh, I think we get into it. I think it's really, really fun. Next week's guest is going to be Newcastle's own Spencer Scott, aka Scotty, aka Scooter, aka a thousand different names. He's a million different names to a million different people, but he's a champion. And uh, I'm really excited about that episode as well. But for now, let's have a chat with Tom Kennedy. Hi everyone, I'm David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Mr. Thomas Kennedy. Hi Dad. How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? I am wonderful. We are we are upstairs at the uh, the illustrious Town Hall Hotel uh, in Newtown. Uh, prior to uh, venturing off into our own little rock and roll world, but uh, I think everyone has a trapped in the townie story. I think. Yeah. One minute you walk in, it's about eleven at night. You probably just come fresh from a show. You see a couple of people you know, and you think, 
oh, I can spend a bit of time here. Next thing you know, it's literally five in the morning. Yeah. The lights have come on and the sense of shame overwhelms yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The floor is incredibly sticky and the yeah. sun's coming up. And, yeah. <laughs> the town is kind of over in that sense, but everyone has those memories. So yeah. whenever they come through, it's just like, oh, I threw up over there. Yeah. Oh, sweet memories. <laughs> if you've spent your youth in Newtown, you yeah had it a couple times at the townie for sure. I think so yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rite of passage in a yeah. way isn't it <laughs> uh, now let's see we met uh, probably about two years ago but the first time I saw you play actually was prior to that so I knew who you, I had a vague idea of who you were before I we actually met okay you're a you're a distinguishing figure you know you, 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 you can easily be picked out in a line yeah like I, I <laughs> I'm not Stealth in, in any way, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey, neither am I. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, 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 I'm officially that guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you could draw a very simple line drawing of a character of your face and yeah, pick it out. It's fine, it's fine, yeah. yeah. So, the first time I saw you play was in the STD riddled spectrum of all places. Okay. And you're playing guitar in yep. uh, the band previous to the band that you're oh, in now. Yes. Oh, the Sunny God. Side Up. The Sunny Side the Up. Sunny there side we go. Up. Yep. And it was with Horschel Common and MC Lars. Ah, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, that was cool. Because <laughs> I was a big Horschel fan, so that was good one to of see. Their, one of their multiple reunion tours. Yeah. <laughs> they basically yeah. became like the John Farnham of Australian yeah, rock music. They, they, they definitely did. They knew it though as well. Oh, like, exactly. Yeah, like, they, they it was a very did. sweet, sweet catch yeah. <laughs> It's just like, oh, alright, I guess your kid's got to eat somehow. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> let's go play Hot Dance. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, that band. And uh, yeah, so we'll kind of use that as an entryway into your into your little All right. music. Cool. So, yeah, the song started off started because a friend of mine Max Wilkinson who was the singer of that band him and I played some shows together when we were about 17, 18 we both yeah. played in metal bands of course I played we both played bass in metal bands actually and uh, just became friends and got to talking and I guess being like the two dudes in the metal scene that didn't predominantly listen to metal we just got along and he was just doing solo acoustic stuff and I played guitar, and he was like, hey, I want to kind of do a band rather than just going out there and playing on my own, and yeah. we got some friends together. It was the biggest band of misfit dudes who had completely <laughs> conflicting musical interests and <laughs> conflicting lifestyles and everything. It was crazy, <laughs> but it was sick, because we were all just close friends and just wanted to play music. So. How, did the, how did the lifestyles conflict exactly? Uh, I guess, like, some of the dudes were still wanting to go out and party. A couple of dudes were, like, older and settled down with girlfriends and oh, had, right. like, real jobs. And we were pretty busy, like, especially in the first sort of two years we were together. Yeah, sure. Just touring a bunch and that kind of thing. So it was, like, it was, it shouldn't have worked, but somehow it kind of worked out. So. What were the, what were the uh, age groups? Um, so yeah. we had, like, I guess the youngest was, like, 19 when we first started. And the right. oldest being kind of 25. Right. Right, okay. Which I guess for like an all ages focused pop rock band is a little bit old. I oh, guess. yeah. It's like to like the uh, the fourteen year old girls of the world. At the time, so. <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. No, they no, always no. have the most money. Yeah, that's it. No, <laughs> I really didn't make any money, but no, yeah, no, no, it was fun. Like it was just playing music with friends. I didn't really care about any of the 
like in that pop rock scene there's a lot of I guess like politics and bitching and it seems like dance moms or one of those kinds of shows I know it's ridiculous yeah. isn't it it's just so, like um, yeah, it was just act like adults or anything. exactly yeah <laughs> So it was cool just to, yeah, play music with friends and do something, because I've always kind of been in metal or rock or hardcore or punk bands, so yeah, to do something a little more chilled out and play guitar and not have to worry about singing or any of that kind of stuff is cool. So, so where were you prior to that? You, you mentioned a couple of metal bands. Yeah, so prior to the Sunny Sun Up, I was in a band called Empires. Empires. Um, we just, I, we were like a, a hot flame for a hot minute, like it was Ooh. like... It passed. That's a, that's a was, beautiful turn of phrase. Yeah, though. I don't know. Like, it was weird. We had all this hype. It was like in the MySpace days, and we were kind of doing like. What? <laughs> you can't see this, but I just looked lustfully out the window when you said the MySpace <laughs> Oh, memories. Ah, oh, the MySpace days. <laughs> so we were doing like a heavy kind of, yeah, mosh metal sort of thing. And then that was my first band I sung in. And then before that, as I mentioned before, I was playing bass. And I was in a band called Intravenous. Um, which was kind of like a trivium sort of oh really Treyu kind of hybrid which was pretty cool I guess Uh, when I was like yeah 16 17 years old so yeah who were you guys back then like who did you like hear the music of and like that's who I want to be like man Uh, well like I guess Metallica obviously was like the the first one so yeah, I grew up, I was lucky enough to grow up in a house where I had my older cousin and my older sister around, and they were both sort of like 17, 18, when we were fortunate enough to have things like Warp Tour still come here in the late oh, 90s wow. yeah, and that yeah. kind of thing. So I grew up with like a, a super punk rock education in music from when I was like seven or eight years old. So wow. For me, it was like... That was all I heard around the house, you know, yeah. I was like walking around where about, here, where about Ranch, you? Link 182. I was living on the Northern Beaches in okay. Sydney. Yeah. yeah. And so like that was what I was all about and, and when I was I guess I still am now, but yeah, from from an early age I was all about that until until I heard Metallica and then I was like this is the ticket. This is the, <laughs> this is something a little bit different. I need to explore this. So. Yeah. So, did you pick anything up from mum, dad, siblings, or anything like uh, that? My sister played clarinet. She was actually really, really good at clarinet. Yeah, right. Um, and my brother was a really good piano player. Uh, yeah. My sister, because she got into punk and rock and stuff, she bought a bass, and she kind of played it for like a week, and then it just sat there collecting dust. So, uh, I was like, there's a bass line around, I might as well learn bass, I like music. Sure. So, yeah, that was pretty much it. I sat in my room and tried to figure out how to play bass, and learned a bunch of... <laughs> I don't know, probably like Blink and Green Day songs, and oh, of course, yeah. that that's that's like routine. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? of course. Yeah, Mark Hoffis <laughs> is a brilliant, brilliant bass player. Everyone yeah, he, he had his moments, didn't he? Yeah, everyone, <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess, yeah. everyone kind of underestimated the dude, but you yeah. know, it's just like you play carousel, motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the day I learned that, I've oh, never been more pleased with myself. Oh, my that's that's the ultimate moment of pride, yeah, isn't it? it? <laughs> <laughs> Take us to your first gig, the first show that you played. The first show I ever played. Yeah. It was at school. Uh, yeah, they usually yeah, are. Yeah. It's My, either that or a youth event. Yeah. Um, and I actually played in two bands on the same night. So, right. Yeah. You were My, already swimming in it back oh, yeah, in the day. Yeah. So my school had this thing called the Variety Night, which yep. is where they did all the performing arts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I played in one band which didn't have a name uh, it was just kind of we got together and 
decided to jam and we played Welcome to Paradise by Green Day. Yes. Uh, I love it. Yeah. And then, oh, and also When I Come Around. And then I did a Metallica medley set with a, a f- group of friends of mine and we are... Uh, we went under the name Broken Justice at the oh, time. Oh, fuck yeah. And it was kind of like two minutes of a bunch of Metallica songs that went for like eight minutes or something like that. And everyone in the crowd hated it. <laughs> Except you guys, obviously. Yeah, and we thought it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh, God. You must have just gone off stage with the fucking high fives. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was it. As far as I was concerned, I was already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> so, was that, were those your first bands? I guess so, yeah. Like, I... It was weird. Like, I had a bunch of bands that kind of weren't bands. Like, we just... We'd get together at school. Oh, you said it was going to be a band and then never Yeah, we'd just play, like, two covers for, like, a month and then just it'd sort of disband and then the next one would start. So, my first, like, legitimate band was, yeah, when I was, like, 17. That was intravenous. Yeah, right. (laughs) Did you get to play much with them or was it... Purely like uh, located like within an immediate scene. Oh, we definitely stuck to playing the venues you play when you can't really get a gig anywhere else. So well, that and being underage. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess yeah, we played like a bunch of all ages shows and a bunch of eighteen plus shows. Like some of the other guys were eighteen and there was no one at the venues anyway, so I don't yeah. think security were too strict on that. But yeah, like. We were playing, like, a show every weekend for maybe a year or so. Like, wow. We were just... Any any show we could get on, no matter what... If there was going to be anyone there, if there was a PA when we showed up, like, whatever. We just wanted <laughs> just to play, it. like... <laughs> figured it was a free rehearsal or something. Yeah, so. it, it all counts yeah. towards something, that's doesn't it? it? You, yeah. you definitely learn from those experiences. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I to appreciate when there's actually, like... Somebody watching you. Yeah, anybody. Yeah, literally yeah. anybody. Yeah, that's it. Even even the sound guy. Yeah, the sound guy's not outside having a smoke. You must be killing it. So. That's that's when you know you've hit hit the top. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you plateaued as a musician. Yeah. It doesn't really get much better than that. So we eventually we eventually uh, end up at, at the Sunny Side Off, yeah. and uh, uh, you guys probably would have toured fairly extensively, like in in that time. Yeah, I mean, it was it was sort of weird the way that that scene uh, worked back in the day. It wasn't so much bands going out and doing like two week slogs where you're playing a show every night kind of yeah, thing, because yeah. you'd sort of just do an all ages show in all the capital cities. So we would do like Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide like once a month and we just you know every every weekend we would be going somewhere else yeah, and yeah. Kinda, it was it was really strange it was not something I've experienced since and I know all the bands in the scene at the time were, were kind of doing it you just play one-off shows in, in the big cities and it's a really expensive way to do it oh sure um but and I mean I was lucky to yeah I went to Melbourne like six or seven times in one year just to play shows so yeah yeah so that was that the first band you'd gone into state with? Yeah, yeah, that was the first band. Uh, like I'd done a bit of like tour managing and that kind of thing before that. Like, how old were you? I was, <laughs> I was like eighteen at the time. How the fuck can you tour manage at eighteen? You can well, barely manage yourself at eighteen. <laughs> when the rest of the dudes in the band are like seventeen, you're kind of like the guy who can buy beer and the guy who can like I don't know and yeah make stuff happen when no one else can. So. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I did, like, a, a bunch of tour managing and went, well, not a bunch, like, a little bit of tour managing. I went in a state a few times. 
on that. I actually tour managed Northlane's first ever tour. No shit. Yeah. We went to Adelaide, Mount Gambia, Melbourne, and a bunch of places. And we had no idea how to tour. Like, we were staying in holiday parks and, like, <laughs> we're spending stupid amounts of money on accommodation. And, but it was, yeah, it was fun. And then uh, I got to do it in the Sunny Side Up, actually playing music and just kind of got the bug for it. And, Never went back to tour managing, I guess. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I, I, I think, uh, I think there's, there's more to life than looking up to 17-year-olds. Yeah, like reading the itinerary of another all-ages show in a rural town with three kids and an alpaca on the doorstep. That happened in Mount Gambia, so... You, you played to an alpaca? Well, there was, like, alpacas on side it was at the old jail and they were just oh wow allowed to like roam free wherever free. so yeah that was <laughs> good it's alpaca a, to people ratio yeah it's not every day that you get to yeah. say that you've that you've played to yeah. an alpaca yeah we still managed a show and part of the crowd was alpacas so. <laughs> like in your in your touring experience both managing and and playing what was the what's the weirdest place you fucking ended up because there would have been some interesting spots yeah i i i'd have to say mount gambia like that's, just yeah, that seems to be like a place unto itself, you know. Like yeah. it's weirder than Adelaide. Adelaide's yeah, already pretty that, fucked. As it that's is. it. Like there's this crystal blue lake there. That's like incredibly vibrant blue, and like the rest of it looks like I don't know the desert or something. It's like yeah, yeah it's just out in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, I only got to go to this old jail, which is literally a jail that they now turn into a venue and. Uh, they actually let bands stay there as well. So yeah, you're right. sleeping in a in, jail in cell. Cells. Yeah. Fuck. So I'd say that, that that would definitely have to be the weirdest experience oh, so far would be, would be that place. And <laughs> especially being like, yeah, 18 or whatever. Yeah. And I, hadn't, I mean, I hadn't even been to like Melbourne on my own yet. Yeah, well. Uh, Mount Gabby was definitely an experience. I can sure. imagine. So what was your, what was like the the highlight of, of your time in in Sunny Side Up? Like like you said, you got to do yeah. a lot of things and see a lot of bands um, and stuff like that. The highlight would probably be like I don't know the shows and stuff were, were cool, and we got we got to play some fairly large shows, and that was that was really awesome. But I'd I'd say that the, the coolest thing that we got to do is the last single we ever recorded before we broke up. Yeah. We went up to the Grove Studios uh, on the Central Coast. Yeah, yeah. And um, and recorded up there, and like we just walked in, and we're just like, you know, we'd recorded a bunch of like nice studios and whatever, and but yeah, walking in there and like it's just literally the hallways aligned with like gold and platinum records, and there's a personal barista like making you coffee at, no at your service kind of thing, and uh, we brought over a producer for or a producer from America by the name of uh, Matt Malpass. Yes. Yeah already over here working with some bands and we'd spoken to him just through some mutual friends and stuff before and kind of yeah he had a few days in Sydney and so we did a single and we stayed up there and it's just this beautiful studio on this beautiful part of the central coast and we just got like three days to record one song so we just spent a bunch of time on this track and learn a lot from working with him and yeah yeah that was like yeah still one of the coolest weekends I've ever had and that was that was a really really fun time did you know you were breaking up at the time of recording? Or? No, no, no. We were actually... That was like a... a we kind of said to him, like, let's do a single together, see how it works out, and if we're happy, like, we'll walk in and, and do a full length. And after that weekend, that was the plan. We were going to go do a full length with him, but then the band kind of ended, like, a month after that. So Jesus. two months, maybe. So what happened? 
We got approached, so we played a show with Mariana's Trench from Canada. Oh, yeah, I'm vaguely familiar. Yeah, okay. yeah uh, at the Metro, and uh, there was like a bunch of, I don't know, music industry suit dudes there. And, yeah, right. Um, after the set, like a bunch of these bunch of people approached us and asked if we could have a chat, and these guys who had managed a bunch of like semi-successful commercial artists in the past had uh, sort of gotten together and they were forming this new artist management slash record label um, business. And so we had a few meetings with them and like there was some cool kind of ideas floating around and as kind of happens in the music industry, a lot of smoke has blown up your ass. Oh, totally. Just a lot of prop, like a lot, yeah, a lot of promises and and kind of stuff were made to us. And um, basically one night after talking to these guys for about maybe a month or two and we had a look at some some basic contract outlines and stuff. One night they called uh, the singer Max and said, "Hey man, can you come meet us in the city? Don't bring the other guys. Just come on your own." And so he went in there on his own, and basically the uh, management company was kind of like, "We don't want to take on the band. We just want to push you as a solo artist." This was like around the time where one day it just kind of exploded and yeah, right. being like a young, good-looking dude who can kind of sing and have people like producing his stuff mm. was uh, kind of what labels were looking for. So, hey, you're young and good-looking too. Hey, man, thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so they they kind of just tried to to get him, and then I guess like yeah, stars in his eyes and. It's, all these promises being made. So he actually so, took it. Yeah, he took it. Like, he obviously... It wasn't just kind of like, I'm going to go do this fuck you guys kind of thing, but we had a chat and it seemed like he, what he wanted to do, so we were just kind of like, that's fine, man, go do it, and that'll be it. So it was kind of like... It was it was a real abrupt ending, but... It I was, can imagine. Like, like fuck. Like, yeah. How would that make you feel, man? Like, I'm like... Fucking, that yeah. You're like a truck. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it sucked. Like me and all the other dudes were obviously super bummed because we were kind of at the time writing music, and it was by far like the best stuff we'd written. So sure, we were, yeah. we were kind of stoked on on where it was heading, and then sort of have that pulled uh, on us. It was yeah, it was a bummer, but I guess I kind of put things in, in perspective because we were kind of looking to go in more of like a alternative sort of direction rather than going complete pop and I guess it sort of figured out those differences and the, the musical aspects of it for us kind of thing without us getting you know, investing money and all this time yeah. into a record to turn around and go this is what I want to do this is what I want to do sort of yeah. thing so it was good it worked out well in the end so. yeah I mean I guess playing that kind of music and being in, in that kind of Obscene. Do you feel like that was a direct influence, I guess in an equal and opposite reaction kind of way to what you did next, musically? Definitely. I think I really enjoyed my time in that band and, and, and playing with those dudes and playing that music. But it was a huge, huge relief when that broke up because I was like, cool, well, I know there's no way I'm going to do another band in this sort of scene or, or, or in this sort of direction. So. Yeah. It was cool for me to be able to start fresh, and I guess yeah, like I was I was pretty pissed off at the time. And oh sure, had a lot to get off my chest, and so to be able to do something a little more aggressive and a little more kind of what I'm more into in, in terms of the music that I listen to and what yeah. I grew up on. So yeah, I mean it was it was definitely a a, a 
a way start fresh for sure. Did you did you feel like desensitized by the whole thing? You know, just being put through the ring of like you know having all this industry stuff yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah, it was like my first kind of exposure to like the music industry kind of yeah. thing. Uh, so I was just yeah, really like I wasn't I wouldn't say jaded because I was still very keen to do music and be a part of of the music scene, but I was just so tired of all the business and bullshit that went along like we were just going to come out and and just play shows and do everything that we wanted to do and not not care about anyone else or or what anyone thought about it we're just like this is what we're going to do and like it or not kind of thing yeah basically totally so you've ended up now your your new band Bare Bones yes well I say new it's been around been around for a little while now roughly kind of a year year and a half we've been playing shows for about a year so probably a year and a half Yeah. yeah well Let's call it even about that. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about the origins of, of that. Did you yeah. kind of have an idea in mind of like, okay, so I've done this. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Yeah. With, you know. I mean, I've always, I've always loved the idea. And since ever since I got into like the heavier side of punk rock and then into hardcore and metal. Yeah. I, I've always really liked bands who can do something that's not watered down and commercial and can still keep it catchy and it's not completely over the top chaotic and there's there's rock elements in there and there's song structure and hooks and that kind of thing so I always had this idea of playing in in more sort of like you know straight up metal and straight up hardcore bands I always wanted to do a band that had those elements but also had like good song structure and and catchy melodies and that sort of thing and uh I had this old friend who told me about a band he was actually going to get involved with, maybe play guitar for. Yeah. And sort of talk, like, showed me a few demo ideas that had been lying around, and and I was like, this is really cool. Like, I think I could sing this. And we sort of got to chatting, and another friend of mine who's the guitarist in Bare Bones, James, was the one who'd been writing the songs. And so I contacted him, and uh, we got to talking, and then my friend who actually introduced me to it all sort of fell away and me and James just sort of found ourselves just the two of us and we were like what do you want to do we decided let's just record the song we had this this one song written let's just record it and see what happens we got yeah. a friend to play drums on it and so we did and we, we recorded that song and we really really liked the way it came out and the direction that it was heading in and me and James have been friends for a long time and the guy who played drums on it Chris had been a mutual friend of ours and, and a good friend of James's mm-hmm. for yeah. going on 10 years now so like it was just sort of very relaxed very organic a bunch of old friends just playing music together and then we thought like you know what like let's make a band out of it we got this song it, we really like the way it sounds let's find some other friends who have similar interests and similar personalities that we'll get along with and so it was really cool like everyone in the band was already old established friends so for us to get together in a room and jam, we'd already played music together in the past. Everything came together like super quickly. It wasn't a, a strenuous process at all. It was really natural and it just yeah, it just happened straight away kind of thing. Yeah. It, was, it was really cool. I, I guess like uh, with what you know now from your band's yeah. previous, you, you you probably would have had a much clearer idea of what to get out of yeah. The band this that, time. That's yeah, hundred percent. So it was it was awesome to just. There's no stress, there's no pressure, it's just let's have fun and, and, and write music and play yeah. music. So that was what it was like in the start and that's still what it's like now. So. Yeah. 
and I guess you know, like being, like you said, uh, being involved with that, a very different scene previously. Yeah. Like I guess you, you guys could definitely be seen as a band that's against that whole kind of bullshit and having spoken. Yeah, well, that's it. Like I that. mean, yeah, like we don't. You know, we're not going to say like we're here to shake things up or you know we're, we're here to spit in the face of everyone who's doing you know this safe sort of music it's, oh, not, yeah. it's not like that at all it's just that we we just wanted to do something that it's not groundbreaking by any means on, on a world scale or even on, on a national scale it's just that we didn't follow any trends or, or any anything that was associated with a particular scene we just yeah. wrote the music that we wanted to write and was fortunate enough to um I, I guess appeal to different people and so that we can play different shows to different crowds and yeah. it's 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 really it's really awesome. It's it's com- something I've never experienced before yeah. being a crossover. So I mean it, it's all it's all come together and risen very exponentially over the past few years or so. Like, yeah, I mean yeah, it's 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 really cool. Like like I said, it was just a bunch of friends wanting to, to jam and, and play some shows and been lucky enough to to play a lot of shows now and, and get to tour and release two records and so yeah it's I definitely it's gone further than we'd ever expected to go, yeah that's for sure uh, what are what are the future plans from here is there a record in the works like an album yeah yeah we just started writing again so uh, we put out an EP in 2013 and an EP in 2014 um, and since yeah since he came out in August and since then we've just been working on new material straight away so we didn't really take any downtime after that record came out we just wanted to, to get straight back into writing so I couldn't tell you when the record will be recorded or, or anything like that but in the early stages of writing for sure fantastic yeah so that's, that's exciting it is exciting yeah, yeah totally cool. do yeah uh, now we'll wrap up but uh, before we do I ask this of everyone I want to know what is your favourite gig you've ever played and the least favorite gig you've ever played. <laughs> okay. Best and worst. For sure. You can start on either. Uh, look, give me bias because it's fresh in my mind, but at this point I'd probably have to say my favorite gig I've ever played was Every Time I Die at the Manning Bar a few weeks ago, which yeah, was yeah. for those guys, uh, which was, yeah, crazy. Like that, were, When we were coming together, they were obviously one of the bands that was, was a big influence on us, so... And sort of like a, a bucket list sort of thing. Oh, while, sure. While I I was in, yeah, while we were in Bare Bones, like if we could support one band, that's the band. So, and, we, and we've done it. So we've I, done it. I, too. I, yeah, I'd have to say that that's my favorite gig. Um, my least favorite gig. Everyone's got one. Ah, uh, I wish I had like some funny story as to why. But <laughs> my least favorite gig was a gig I played once at the Lair. Which I actually, oh, I actually really yes. liked the venue. Um, but I played this show, uh, it was a headline show for the Sunnyside Up, and we'd okay. been promoting it really hard, and we'd sold a bunch of tickets, it was pretty close to selling out. And yeah, yeah. It was that first hometown show in a while, so it was right. like, all my family came, all the guys' family were there, uh, it, was, it was, yeah, everything was like set for this amazing night, and we just played awfully, like... Oh, the worst. Were, you, were you not rehearsed? Or no, like? I think it was just like... No, I, I, I don't know. We were rehearsed. Like, we rehearsed a bunch before the show. Like, there was a weird vibe. Like, you know, I don't know. It was just a weird vibe when we got there. And sound check didn't go too well. And I was having, like, a bunch of issues with my guitar and my amp. It kept yeah. cutting out. And so everyone was really stressed before we went on stage. And 
Yeah, it was just like this the hugest anticlimax oh, ever. Oh man! So that I'd, I'd probably say that's the worst ever. Such a bummer. Yeah, it was it was a real bummer. Uh, it happens. Like I said, you got to learn from those experiences. That's exactly it. Exactly. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for your time. My no worries, man. This Look, has been fucking awesome. Thank you for having me on. One one quick uh, question for you, if yes, I might, before we wrap sure. up. WWE Fast Lane. Yes. Coming up. Yes. Who's gonna win? Out of Debray and Roman Reigns. Look, I think they're going to give it to Roman Reigns just to shut everyone up yeah. and position it so that it is going to be this big, like, Clash of the Titans sort of deal. Yeah. Uh, as much as I'd love Daniel Bryan to, to be in the main event picture again, I think they're setting him on a different path. I don't know what yet, but it, 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 a change is going to come. That's, yeah. that's all I'm going to say. What I, do you think? I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I, I mean... Catch me losing my mind if Debray wins, but sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't see it happening. Yeah, <laughs> you're just gonna you're just gonna face the truth sometimes. Yeah, that's it. I mean, look, Triple H isn't looking to make friends with uh with the, the universe anytime soon. That's, that's true. <laughs> uh, we might get Triple H and Sting at WrestleMania. Yeah, that'd be fucking mind blowing. Cool. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> look, if that, if that happens. We should set up a wrestling podcast. Oh, yes. I'm so down for that. Excellent. All right. Well, until next time, my friends, I'm David James Young, and all my friends are brothers. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.